Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Cambridge Stronger podcast, a podcast where culture counts and values matter most. We're spotlighting our three 2021 Spirit of Cambridge honorees, John Fenwick, Dawn Baker, and Kim Gaxiola. The Spirit of Cambridge Award, which is one of my favorite awards of the year, means a lot to our firm. This award recognizes independent financial professionals who are dedicated to serving their clients while reflecting Cambridge's core values of integrity, commitment, flexibility, and kindness. Every year, Cambridge Home Office Associates vote to select three award recipients from a pool of outstanding financial professionals who have been affiliated with Cambridge for at least 10 years. To honor each award recipient, Cambridge makes a donation to the charity of their choice. This recognition reflects each recipient's commitment to their clients and core values as they work to positively impact their communities. We recently had the pleasure of announcing our 2021 award recipients at Ignite, our annual national conference. Today, I'm excited to have one of our Spirit of Cambridge award winners join me. She has a fascinating business model and serves a unique niche, and I can't wait to get into her journey. Joining me for this episode is Kim Gaxiola of Tech Girl Financial. Congratulations on your selection, and thanks for joining me today, Kim. Thank you. It's such an honor to be recognized. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten an award like this, so um, thanks to everyone at Cambridge. I love being um, a part of the family. You are, and uh, you represent, and clearly all of our associates recognize it, so it's, it's fantastic. So it's been great to work with you as one of our true champions of technology, Kim. Um, I'm a fan of your work as an author and an educator, and I happen to think of you as a social media influencer because you were doing it long before I knew what was going on. I remember uh, when I used to have to ask you to help me figure out how to get on Twitter or whatever it may be. Um, so I enjoy following your podcast. It's an honor to have you here with us today. Talk to our listeners about how you got started, about co-founding Tech Girl along with your fantastic husband, Victor, and your journey. Just start us off with telling us a little bit about how you found your way. Well, I think like everyone else that's been on this podcast, um, there's a long story involved with it. But um, to start out with just getting in the financial planning industry, um, I started when we were brokers um, back in 1998. And um, I blindly walked into this industry um, and I was very fortunate to have um, somebody hire me as a junior partner. And so I learned everything from this guy. He was, and still, you know, is a father figure to me. I don't talk to him that often anymore, but when, when I do, I, when he sends me a message or something, I, I love hearing from him and we have a little chat and move forward. Um, so I'm very grateful for that start in the industry. And um, that was back, like I said, in 1998 and um, being a junior partner, it was great because I was always fascinated about this industry, but too scared to do it just on my own thinking, oh my gosh, I have to recommend stocks to people. And how would I ever know what to recommend? And so working with a mentor was really helpful. And um, I learned his business. I learned how to do this. And from the get-go, one of the first things, one of the main things that I remember him saying was, if you do this business right, 
your clients will look like an extension of your friends and family. And it, and it's funny because between that and my husband, Victor saying at the beginning, when we started our business together, this is, you know, years later, it was like, let's be slow in how we grow and make sure that our clients can pass the barbecue test, which is, could you, would you like to have these people over in your backyard and have a barbecue with them? And it was funny because very hard at the beginning to only have people <laughs> that would pass that test. Um, but, but over time, it, that's what it's become. And the funny thing is that today, um, we just, during this whole pandemic, put in a beautiful kitchen island outside barbecue for the big green egg and, um, you know, plenty of seating, a big long table. And um, we're now ready to host all those barbecues and we cannot wait to um, do special events here. Um, so that was, that was a fun ending to that story, um, but actually not an ending, maybe more of a beginning, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, and, that, and I probably got around your real question, which is how did I get into Tech Girl Financial? So, um, you know, that's a long way of saying, I wanted to work with people that I enjoy. And when we eventually founded Tech Girl Financial, it was all about helping women in technology and their families, because that was who I identified most with. Um, I mean, first of all, we, we moved back from Illinois. When we were in Illinois, we were, um, that was not our market. Um, we were more broad in general doing seminars. But when we moved to California and Silicon Valley, that was just a natural group that I had an affinity to because I felt like they were very similar to me. They're in a male-dominated industry, which is changing, but um, still, you know, the numbers are so. And they were, um, they were very confident. They were, they were easy. You know, they loved to delegate things, and they were super busy with families that they just needed somebody to help them on that one area. And so. Um, I find it very fun to work with people that, you know, appreciate somebody doing that service for them because they just don't have the time to do it themselves. And, um, I, and I also find that, you know, what makes a good investor is somebody that can delegate and can have the confidence to make decisions on who they work with and then let that relationship build. So um, you touched on this, but unfortunately, I also remember what it was like in 1998, and there were still some obstacles as a woman in our business, for sure. Um, did you ever experience and hit any of those obstacles? And if so, how did you work your way around it? So back in 1998, I was a lot younger than I am now. <laughs> and... Um, I grew up in the 80s, which was, you know, we can do whatever we want. I never knew that I was a woman. I walked into a room and I was just one of many advisors. Honestly, what I saw more is my youth than I saw that I was a, 
a female in a room full of males. Um, and so I, and I think that really helped the situation nowadays, now that I'm older and now that it's been brought more to the forefront of everything, you know, of just, you, you can't be on any news source and not see it. Um, I think now I count more than I used to. And I really don't like that. I do that. Um, but it's more natural to be aware of that. Um, and so I would just say, you know, be confident being you. And I think that over time, I grew into that confident per person. But in the meantime, when I was youthful, it was more about look at all these older people that have been in this business a long time and how much they're willing to share with me. And how much you can learn, right? If you yes. listen and are, you're willing to learn and you don't think you already know it all, which we all have problems with when we're young. Yeah. I mean, I'm just grateful. I was, I've always been in an office. And when I started, I was in a big branch in Miami, Florida. Um, I was just grateful that there were so many nice people that were willing to teach you so much. And we had lunch and learns, you know, I, I had my lunch delivered almost daily and everything that I learned from the wholesalers helped me become who I am. Absolutely. Great advice. So let's dive more into Tech Girl. Love the branding. Um, it's always been a differentiator. It continues to be a differentiator. Um, it's an interesting focus for all the reasons um, that you described earlier. And um, what do you think going into the future? So you talked about why you were attracted to that particular segment, but what changes as I feel like we're in an environment now where every year we fast forward by five years, things are moving so quickly. What, what does it look like um, in the future for the financial planning that is needed by the people that you serve? So um, it, it's such a fun, fun time to serve this group of people and probably a lot of um, not just women in technology, but a lot of professionals that are in the corporate world find themselves in is, um, again, a time where, you know, it's not all about the IRAs, there's multiple things going on. And I think the complexity of that is what I really have a good time with. I think, you know, no matter how much we fast forward, um, technology has always been something that has made us more efficient and helpful, but it's also made us more stressed out and time crunched and busy um, because, you know, it almost acts as if we can do it all. <laughs> and um, I'm a big believer in, you know, you can only do so much. And, um, and so I think Technology is great because um, it allows us to do a lot more, but at the same time, I think it still stresses us out. And if you are in, um, you know, a lot of those technology jobs that we see here in Silicon Valley are very stressful. Um, I kind of make it a similar situation to an athlete because, you know, you have a shorter work, work life. Um, professional life. Not as short as an athlete, but um, it is shorter because burnout happens a, a lot in tech. 
because you you're working such long hours and it's very cutthroat. And so um, that's another challenge that I see for them is, you know, no matter what, if people think that they're going to retire at 60 to 65, a lot of them end up retiring earlier because they're just burnt out and they've been blessed still in a great, um, you know, sector of the economy that their stocks have all done well. And so they're, they're in a position to be able to do that. But um, more than anything with this group of people, it's, it's funny, but I, I do liken it to an athlete to say your, your career might be a lot shorter. So even if you think you're going to retire at 65, I don't see that many doing that. And do you think, um, so they're in the world of technology, they know how to leverage technology to run their lives. They, in many cases, are giving the rest of the world technology to run their lives. But do you find that that almost makes them more open to what you were talking about earlier in terms of delegation? Are those people more or less likely to leverage client-facing technology, or would they prefer, because that's their whole life to begin with, that you just take care of things? So there's, you know, there's a lot of everything in between, right? <laughs> I mean, I myself love technology for what it does to help me be more in communication with people and to make me do my job more efficiently. But at the same time, I'm the first person on the weekend that, like, you know, cuts off the cord to all of my technology. And I don't really want to be anywhere near it. I want to be in the garden. I want to be doing something else. So I think that there's a lot of that in the industry, but everyone is so comfortable with that technology that um, to use it as a part of the way they, they're doing business, whether it's with me or whether it's in their regular job, um, you know, that was, that's just an easy thing. We've been using go, I was using go to meeting before the pandemic even started with probably like at least 50% of my clients to begin with. And because Silicon Valley has so much congestion, nobody wanted to drive in. And when, with my market segment, my market segment has families. It's, they don't want to see me. They can't during the day, they can't pull away from work, but they could do a zoom call. Um, and in the, you know, everybody's got commitments at night. So I think that, yes, it does help with that, but I do think, um, it's important for us to do a lot of face to face and maybe that's just the social connection, um, that brings us together and that just keeps the relationship strong. Yeah, you were virtual before virtual was cool, right? I know. And you know, what's funny is for those clients I had that I would have never even bothered to put them on a webinar or a, a Zoom call uh, that because I have clients in a lot of different states and because I used to have clients in Illinois, a lot of those older clients, we were just doing phone meetings as they moved to other states that I wasn't traveling to. And, and I was just, you know, I'd email them the agenda and the report and we'd do it that way. And now like our relationship is so much better. I was just talking to one woman and I said, wow, I haven't seen you in like 10 years. <laughs> I'd heard her on the on phone, but to have the face-to-face -face connection made it um, just so much better than than what I could imagine. 
Yeah, your transitions are almost different than so many where you're, the example you just used, you went from not seeing their face and using the old-fashioned now method of phone uh, where so many others in different segments and different parts of the country and different phases of life are trying to figure out how to leverage video. So you're, you know, you're ahead of the game in many ways and using that technology now to bring it back um, for those clients so that you can see them. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I laugh. Uh, we do an event on Valentine's Day for our widowed and um, and divorced clients. And this year, it, it was a um, sip and paint event. And we did it on Zoom. I found a uh, artist on YouTube that would do a sip and paint. I sent little gifts to everybody. And it was, I think my oldest client on the, um, on the zoom meeting that was like, can you speed this up? <laughs> was it interactive? How many people did you have? And could they talk to each other? Yeah. Everybody could talk to each other. I think we had about, um, six or, you know, six or seven, and we all were painting, you know, I would pause it so that people could take a little bit more time on one piece and another. And um, it was really fun. And I never in a million years would I have thought I would have been doing an event online with that segment of my business. And it was just what so many of them needed at that time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Good for you. Um, great segue to my next question for you. So you share an awful lot of knowledge on your website. You use blogs, webinars, eBooks. You've got your podcast. As I said earlier, I think of you as a social media influencer in so many ways, along with Victor. Um, I enjoy following both of you. So um, what drives you to create all that? What You've been doing this for a long time. So maybe I start by asking, you know, before, again, before it was really so cool, um, even from social media, what drove you to bring it all together in a marketing plan that included those things for the right clients? Yeah, so um, I think my number one goal is to be approachable. And so everything I do is so that uh, people will see me as approachable because I think that this business is intimidating. It's a little like going to the doctors and taking off all your clothes. You're going to see a lot of things that you're not proud of. And um, so whatever I can do to make our team more approachable is what I need to do. And so um, these days, you know, it is, it is by what you put on your, on your blog, on your website. And, you know, social media is like the distribution our, our website is where it all is housed. And that is our hardest working employee. Um, you know, I like to say it's the gatekeeper because it's not going to attract everybody, but it'll attract the right people. And, um, and it's the place where we can have our authentic voice. We, we have some stuff that is content that we purchase through, you know, all the channels that we can have, that we have available to us. But I want the first face that um, clients and prospects see on our website to be 
our voice. Um, and I'm going to say things a not like those articles that we purchase, <laughs> because I really do want it to be from the heart um, in a way that I think will, people will be able to relate to. And, and it repels at the same time, right? And yeah, and if, to be successful, back to your original, I want to work with people that I'd love to have over for the barbecue. If it doesn't work, then it's not wasting your time figuring that out because they'll probably not be attracted to going any further than your website if you're authentic. Right, right. And I, you know, I look at um, over the years, um, those clients that, have kind of self-selected to leave are those that struggle with the technology and that and and that that's a key part of how we do business and um you know i always like to call our financial planning software it's like ways for financial planning you know, it, it's going to pivot and turn as your life pivots and turns. And that's fantastic. And, and my clients and prospects get that they're like, really? And, you know, we do everything live on dynamically on, on the screen, and it's really fun to do. But um, that's, that's something that's really important to us. So um, going back to, you know, the question of, of, how how we use social media and how why we have all the information that we have obviously we can't write it and do it all ourselves and so that's where the ebooks and the you know the content that we purchase comes in handy but first and foremost i need the website to at first speak with my voice and that voice has to be approachable. And that's where the podcast has helped us so much more too, is um, just having a conversation between Victor and me. You really do get a sense of who we are. And that has been so much fun. I think I prefer to do podcasts over blogging now and we ha haven't done any writing, I feel like for a while because we have been using the podcasts. And when a client comes to us and asks us about a certain topic, we wanna be able to like pull that podcast off the shelf and give it to someone and say, hey, listen to this podcast. You'll get a lot more information about that topic. So if someone out there listening to us today was, um, and there, believe it or not, there are a, there's a huge percentage of them. They've not gone down the path of social media broadly yet. Um, but if they were starting to realize that they were missing out on a valuable part of their delivering their value proposition, maybe it's a marketing plan, and they were a little intimidated. So they're thinking, what? there's so many different options out there now. Where would I go? Where would I start? Where would I get the most value and, and bang for my effort, if you will, from the beginning? Um, would it be podcast, to your point? I know for some people, the idea of podcast is a little intimidating. Writing is safer, right? Because they can fix it. And um, you and I both know that we do a lot of fixing in the podcast world too, but um, where would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody like that? I think it all goes back to your marketing plan. Where are the people that you want to hear you 
what are they listening to or where are they going for their information for and and that was one of the reasons why here um you know i didn't really say that because i forgot about it but um one of the things i liked about working with women in technology is they were already on these platforms and so when it became available for us and that was a big reason why we went to cambridge investment research was because they were saying yes when all other compliance departments were saying no. Um, that's where that group naturally was. And being a young mom at the time, it was easier for us to post stuff socially than to be at all those networking meetings. And um, and that was you know a little bit more difficult. And it, quite frankly, a lot of the working moms out there had no time to be at those networking meetings. So you weren't right meeting the right people. Absolutely. Which is another um, fact that strongly speaks to the way you're being flexible with your approach to meeting with your clients, because you mentioned earlier that many of them have families, um, but flexibility is really important. Absolutely. It's um, I, in my head, it's not about being all things to all people. I just want to focus on a certain type of people, but be able to be flexible in what I offer them. I, I mean, one of the things I love about this business is that, you know, you, it's a solutions business. It's one where every, every client is a little bit different and we're going to find the right solutions for that person. And um, I, I love that challenge. And I think that if I stick to, you know, working with a smaller segment that I, I can really understand their challenges and get to know them better, but then have a deep bench of solutions for them, that to me is more fun. Speaking of solutions, uh, you don't deliver all these solutions all by yourself. Talk about your team. Yes. And uh, so we are a team. And um, I'm grateful to have them. I think this past couple of years, we have really solidified that we're a team. And um, someone at a Cambridge Ignite conference said I should read Traction. And I'm going to tell you that book really helped us over the last few years, just getting together as a team because we're a virtual team as well. Um, so the pair planner and um, I like to say chief caretaker or nurturer of our team is um, Christina, and she is in Kentucky. So I work with her virtually. Um, she's phenomenal at what she does. And let me tell you, she is definitely a caretaker. Um, and then Victor is uh, my husband and also my um, partner in this business. And he, um, is has been just kind of molding into a certain you know role because he just got back in the business three or four years ago, and so um, it was challenging at first to figure out okay where where do you fit most and um, his strengths lie in marketing and social media and business development and but we're not that big of a team that I need a full time marketer. Um, and so where else can I put him that is going to naturally align with his strengths? And so we've, we've managed to um, find that position 
working on the investments as well as working on um, the front side of the prospecting process, which is getting to know these people before sending them my way to do planning. Um, and then he also is working uh, on the relationship building um, once they become clients as well. So, and the funny thing is, this is the second time in the business he knows and our clients have been with us since he was in the business before. So a lot of his client, our clients already knew him. Um, and this was just, a lot of them were excited to have him back in the business. Cause I think they thought, oh, well, this will give Kim more help. So she's not overwhelmed and she can still take care of us in a, in a, um, you know, specialized way that everybody's used to having from me. <laughs> I am a huge fan of his. I remember you and I three or four years ago talking about perceived obstacles maybe of uh, working with your spouse. And um, I can't, I, I'm not shocked at all. I knew that you would be highly successful working back together again, but it's been really cool to watch everything that you've built since he came back in. So congratulations. Right. And so I, I, I think there's a, um, it's interesting because, you know, when you are a sole practitioner in the business, you just get used to doing everything on your own and running with that. And, um, and I think part of the defense of that is that, you, you love your clients, or at least I do. Um, and so why would you, why would you have anybody else working with them? Um, but then you could take the flip side of that is because you, you enjoy those clients so much, you want them to have more care, right? And the more the merrier. Um, and so I think that that's the, that's the path that I choose to go down. And then, um, you know, I feel like so much, I've been in the business so long that sometimes I feel like I need to challenge myself to grow into different roles that I'm not used to, I'm not comfortable with. Um, and that's, I think, where I am right now, which is as, you know, our team grows and we're about ready to hire in my daughter to help with some paperwork and administrative stuff. And as that team grows, I need to, um, I need to be more mindful of what's going on in the office. And I, you know, I say I never want to be a micromanager, but I, but I still need to make sure that everybody's comfortable doing their process and that things are moving. You've done a fantastic job and that's a great segue. So, um, there's, Team Gaxiola today, and you've got Team Gaxiola at home. So tell our listeners a little bit about that, including this super exciting news that your daughter's coming to work with you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, just part-time because she needs to make some money for her big expensive school that she's going to, and um, I will only give her so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so team Gaxiola, I mean, ideally, I think I would have a five to seven member team and, uh, that's it. I, you know, I, I always want to be a boutique. I don't want to be a big financial planning and investment advisory firm. Um, that's not me. That's not where I'm going. And that's not the clients that I choose to work with. Um, so I would say that that's where I want to be. Um, I, I don't want it to be all family, believe me. <laughs> it's just what it is right now. 
Um, and, you know, as things change moving forward, we'll, we'll see where that ends up. I, I do think I'm at that point where I need to be thinking about the next generation of um, advisors, you know, if it's one or two um, to bring into the practice that will help with what we're doing here and make sure, you know, I just had a client say to me, okay, what happens 10 years after I retire and you want to retire? And um, I said, well, we are looking at that next generation very seriously. And, um, and, and you know, the hard thing I th think about that is just that you have, it, it, it's not like you're it. You know, you find that one person you have to work with, I think uh, several, you know, you have to kiss a lot of toads before you <laughs> find the prince charming or princess charming. Um, and so, you know, that's where we are right now is just looking at who, who we want to work with and who may be viable candidates to work with us in the future. Um, so that will be a growing experience, um, which does make my role kind of change a little bit more and, and doing that. So it'll be interesting. It's, it's a challenge. I'm, I think that the rewards are great and many, so I'm up for it. <laughs> up for it. Line up the toads, right? Line up. The yeah, toads. I know. I know. And um, the one thing I think I battle with is if I have a five to seven team, at what point do I need to have a, you know, physical location where I I have um, that team because right now it works great with my pair of planner with Christina in Kentucky and Victor here. I see him all the time, but at what point, and we were thinking during the pandemic of buying a building and sharing it with a CPA that we refer a lot of business back and forth. Um, the building just wasn't perfect for us. And so we passed on it. But it's something I'm not sure, like, I don't know how tied down I want to be to that building. And if I can build a team, do I just build a team this way? I think in the back of my mind, I still, there's that traditional voice that says you have to be, you have to have a brick and mortar location. I think that's an interesting question everybody is facing right now, or trying to, at the very least, find the hybrid it's an overused word these days, probably, but solution, because our business is a relationship business. You're about relationships. You've had great success in building strong relationships with your clients and your team thus far, but you're right. At what point, at what size does it really drive the culture to have some face-to-face -face interaction and a place to do it? Yeah. And I'm so curious about that because, you know, you listen to all these leadership books and they talk about culture and I'm like, what is my culture? I I'm sure we have one. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the best person to say what that is. <laughs> um, you do for what it's worth from the outside looking in your culture is to me, extremely innovative. You're it's about creativity. It's about using that creativity to 
really focus on caregiving, which is why you went in the direction that you went. And so it will take a form of its own in a bigger way when you bring others in because they'll have different ideas of what caregiving is, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, or creativity is. Uh, But when they have a voice, then your culture will even grow from there as long as you set that standard base. And you've done a great job at it. Yeah, well, thank you. It's uh, been a long time coming. (laughs) So tell us about your kids. Um, You were a young mom. You've got two super uh, motivated children. And I know our listeners like to hear about the reality that life balance can happen and you can have a family and a really awesome career. So um, tell us about them. Yeah, so um, part of the slogan was was because of my kids and because I wanted to spend a lot of time with my kids. Um, I know that uh, my kids are now 19 and 15, going on 16 in a month. Um, And so when I was, and and actually when I got in, when, when Victor and I started in the business together back in 2004, I had my son at, in 2005. So I went through all of that with young kids and I was not going to put kids on hold to get the business going. And good thing I didn't, because I don't, I would probably just be having kids now, (laughs) or maybe I would be able to work a lot harder, but I don't know. Um, I'm a big balance person. So I don't know if I, if 60 to 70 hour days I could have ever done. Um, That's really hard for me because I, 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 put up boundaries, um, so that I can be good to my clients and my family. Otherwise everybody would get a cranky version of me. Um, and so I would say, so my kids, uh, my son is in high school playing baseball and the guitar. We're very music oriented family, except for me. I just play a rain stick. That's all I've been allowed to play. Um, and during the, the pandemic, there were lots of family jams. <laughs> With you and your rain stick. I love it. Yeah, me and the rain stick and the rest. I tried the ukulele. I even got one of those My Uke Buddies, um, which is, you know, from that Shark Tank um, program. And that didn't work really that well. And I started playing the piano and then I got frustrated with the app and I... I didn't go further on that. That I should take up again, I think, because because that's probably the easiest for me to do. But um, and my daughter is in college. I was blessed to have an extra year with her at home for, because of the pandemic. Um, and so she just left in fall to go to Southern California. She had been in she had decided to go to community college at Fullerton in Southern California, but do it from home for the first year. And this year she went to Southern California to do her classes, which are um, music classes. They need to be in person. She just got accepted to Berkeley College of Music. So congratulations. Looking forward to a trip, many trips to Boston in the future. I love that city. It's amazing. I'm going to have to find some Cambridge friends there to maybe help her out if she ever gets in a bind. We have many, we have many. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so she will be going there and that'll be new for us. Um, And I love having my son still home. It's, it's funny, you know, the boy girl experience and because their personalities are just totally different. um, 
Mika never wanted to host any of her friends here at the house. And uh, with Noah, he is very comfortable with that. And we've just done a bunch of work in our yard and stuff and made it a more, uh, you know, social place to be. And so we've got homecoming um, kids coming over, I think this, this Friday uh, for the festivities before the actual homecoming dance. So looking forward to that. I think the pandemic has changed some of that too. I get the sense there's going to be a generation of people who are far more likely to do the small hangouts at home in the backyard or whatever it may be versus that exterior social stuff that maybe the last couple of generations pre-pandemic, you know, enjoyed. I just, I think that this couple of years has changed the way people want to socialize with each other and who they want to socialize and how big they want the group to be. So it doesn't surprise me that he's more likely to do that. Right. And, you know, um, that's kind of one of, one of our hobbies. Victor and I both love to cook um, and he loves to smoke meats and do all of that kind of stuff. So it, it really is fun that that's one area that we are able to um, turn off work and turn off that part of our world and go into something, you know, that we really enjoy. Um, so we, we do a lot of cooking um, in the kitchen or in the outside in the backyard together and, um, and then travel. I mean, we, we did travel a lot during the pandemic. <laughs> I know every time I saw you, you were on a ski slope, I think. So I feel like you spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah, I know. I'm um, I'm not good with somebody telling me to stay indoors all day. That's when I want to be out more. No, it looked like a blast. Um, and yeah, and so um, it was important for us to be able to do those events and get away. And I think for mental health for the whole family needed it. And, um, and we're a traveling family. We, we love adventure and we love to see the world. So that's fun for us. <laughs> I love for our listeners to hear that there is balance and that it's okay, because I think that's one of the barriers to individuals considering our business. And we need more people who believe that they can chart their own course and build their own destiny and it offers flexibility and it gives them the ability to have balance. So I'm glad. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Boundaries. I mean, I, the word that I would use is boundaries because boundaries get you to balance. And um, that's really important to me. And I think, um, I think you have to have two, there's two roads that you can go. I mean, I'm sure there's many more than that, but if you um, get into this business and you want to, you know, move really fast in growth, you're going to have to put a lot more time and effort into it. You know, then you do need to put in those 50, 60, 70 hours a, a, a work week. I don't even know how the math works out because I've never tried it, but, um, that's not the only road to success. There is another road that's, you know, more slow and steady, but that road is a lot longer. And so if you are going on that road, which is very meaningful for you to, especially for women to have more balance with their families, then you just have to understand it's going to take longer to get to where you need to go and focus, focus, focus. Um, somebody had said to me once, 
um, you know, if you keep doing this and you're doing the right thing, just think of it like a, a magnifying glass in the sun on a piece of paper, the longer at some point it will catch fire, but it's going to take a while. And so I, I always had the belief that it, I was doing the right thing and that it would happen eventually. Perfect closing words for us today. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your story, your journey. Um, congratulations again on your fantastic success and on the Spirit Award. I'm so glad um, and I'm looking forward to soon when I can uh, congratulate you in person and on stage. Yes, me too. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone and shout out to everyone that has been on this podcast already. I'm thinking about the taco truck ideas from Brent recently and April Lynn. Wow. She is amazing. I can't wait to meet her in person. Um, and I know I'm missing all the others out there. I've gotten something from every single podcast. So keep doing what you're doing, Amy, because this is really helpful in keeping us all connected. I love it. I love it. So thanks for being with Cambridge and I appreciate you. Thanks. I appreciate you too. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at CambridgeStronger.com. That's CambridgeStronger.com.